What up, what up, what up, what up? Welcome to Beyond the Blockchain with your boy Abby Harris, Abtracks that is, and my partner Yuri C. This week's guest, we got Ken Kruger. Ken Kruger is the co founder and CEO of Pay with Moon. Pay with Moon is a Bitcoin challenger bank platform that enables customers to pay with crypto. So, in layman's terms, it's a credit card that you can use for your crypto. So, if you want to spend and you got some crypto over there, you can swap it over on your card and then you can swap it, pay your bill. So, that's what this is about. So, we talk about all types of stuff. We talk about the economy. We talk about where things is at, what's happening within the space. This is one of the, another one of those great interviews. This is Beyond the Blockchain with your boy, Abby Harris and Yuri C. Now check this out. We got all types of things. So make sure you keep in tune with us. Keep locked in. Make sure if you are a part of our network, you hit the telegram um, because we put all information in there. I just started adding uh, AI tools. So if you're looking for some specific tools within this space of AI, I have it all in our network uh web network uh, telegram page so this is beyond the block make sure you tune in we will be releasing more episodes soon a little back to back you know there's a lot of things going on we're building in this space you know this is the time of building so it is beyond the blockchain i am your host abby harris and yes ken kruger So, um, who am I? So, I'm the founder and CEO of Moon. Um, the Moon is a platform that allows consumers to pay with crypto anywhere Visa is accepted. Uh, it's the most private way to spend your crypto in the world. Um, we can go into that a little bit more later. But um, I'm from New York. I'm an engineer. I've been, um, you know, working in uh, Bitcoin space now for four five years before that I started a series of companies before that I worked in the defense industry and I had a, a big background in uh, sensors inertial sensors uh, originally how they were used in the military and then eventually how they're used consumer electronics um, that's uh, that's kind of me in a nutshell wait hold on hold on hold on because you just you just skip past that real quick like that's not a big thing uh, sensors in the military engineering uh, is that during any of this new, uh, well, I can't say new because the military has been on electronic gadgets for their stuff for years in stealth mode, but um, during, I guess, would that say uh, Saudi Arabia is the first time we actually seen some of the technology that has been used in the military. Uh, was you a part of that wave? Because that's like the first time we've seen um, drones and all of that other stuff. You was a part of that way. That yeah, was so, the question. Well, yeah. So I, I worked on a bit, actually a bit older school stuff. So specifically I worked on uh, nuclear submarines and ballistic missiles. So okay. uh, the, the, the interesting part of sensors in that type of technology is, um, you know, a submarine goes out and about, right? And leaves the port. And our nuclear submarines 
you, you know, we want to not we want to make sure nobody knows where they are, right? So beforehand, nobody tells them where to go. They don't know where they're going to go necessarily. They may know like, okay, you're going to go to this part of the ocean or this part of the world, right? Uh, but they can't use much in terms of GPS or sonar because those things would give their location away. So they have similar to what you have in your phone. There's a gyroscope and there are accelerometers. On the nuclear submarines, they have gyroscopes and accelerometers, except they're absolutely gigantic and they're extremely precise. So a submarine can go out for six months, and based on their starting location and those inertial sensors, they'll know exactly where they are. Far enough to launch the missile, uh, they they will hit the correct target. Uh, uh, ballistic means is that you're shooting this missile, and you're, it's not a guided missile. Because again, a guided missile could be spoofed. You can kind of try to misguide it or something like that. So you rely on inertial sensors and a few other interesting techniques, like looking at the constellations in the sky to make adjustments while uh, while the missile is in in the atmosphere. Um, but inertial sensors is really kind of the baseline uh, data that data generation tool that's used. Determining where you are in the submarine, and then where your you know initial point of firing missile is from. So, so with all of that, uh, what brings you into Web three and crypto? <laughs> oh yeah, so completely unrelated. Uh, it helps that I'm an engineer. I do appreciate the engineering side of things, but what really got me into it was uh, you know, the, the philosophy, right? philosophy of Bitcoin. Uh, about freedom, about sound money, about um, you know, really the the you know, I first learned about Bitcoin on twenty twenty eleven around there twenty ten twenty eleven, and it was because I was reading uh, uh, subreddits uh, on on Reddit about Ron Paul and libertarianism, you know. And I was like, "This is super interesting, you know, gold standard." I'm learning about, you know, the macro environment, right? And then, then I'm somebody's like, "Oh, you check out the Bitcoin thing," and I'm like, "Oh, Bitcoin? That's a, like a really fascinating idea." Because I love the idea of the separation of money from government. I can't trust the government with money, so um, so that that's what originally got me into it. it help, obviously, it helps that I have an engineering background. I can understand a lot of the technical aspects of, of what's happening, but it was more so the philosophy. That got me into things, and that's really what inspires me to continue working in this industry. As much as it is an interesting, there are interesting technical challenges. There are a lot of interesting problems to solve. It's very exciting, but it really is that uh, uh, that 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 drive really comes from wanting to see a more free world. So, so um, what, what was your light bulb to do the project? Um, that you're doing now, or were there projects prior to this that brought you here? Yeah, so this was the first project that I ever did in Bitcoin or crypto.、Uh, I was I was thinking, you know, I really want to do something in the space. This is back in 2018. Really want to do something in the space. I was thinking it through. Okay, what be you know what what's an interesting problem to solve? What is it that I'd be passionate about? And, and what I came down to is I'm excited to see people live on crypto. That is what's very exciting to me. A lot of people are into crypto as an investment; they want to make some money. That's great. Got to make some money, and I love that, right? But for me, it's how do you live on it? How do we change the world so that people live on crypto? And 
in order to make that happen, uh, the main thing you got to do is you got to be able to make payments, right? So I thought, what is the absolute most badass product within payments that I can create? And I came up with three criteria. It has to be private, has to be secure, and has to have no fees. Now it was like very, very simple, and that became the tagline of our product. So we have a uh, we have Visa cards. You load a Visa card with crypto. Right? There's no KYC requirement. It's very challenging to get that to happen, but that's the private aspect. Right? The secure aspect. We're a completely non-custodial. We never hold your crypto for you. Right. So by by default, we have security baked into our product. Uh, and then finally, we don't charge people. So you know th th those are three things. It's like all right, well that's a killer product. It kind of sells itself. You know, so that was kind of the, the whole uh, uh, thinking behind that. Yuri, uh, love it. So I, I'm all about educational products in the space, and I, I'd love to kind of dive a little bit further um, into your range, especially when it comes to Bitcoin. Um, what do you think the biggest misconception is upon learning about uh, Bitcoin and/or the Lightning Network, uh, especially the Lightning Network? Mm -hmm. I feel like it doesn't get the attention it deserves. How do you feel about it? Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting about Lightning, I think it's getting a lot of attention now. Like it's really heating up. A lot of companies are going into Lightning, especially now that the Bitcoin on-chain fees have been shooting up due to ordinals. So a lot of people are saying, we need Lightning. I mean, the fact, you know, what pushed Binance to add Lightning with support was that it was too costly for them to allow for on-chain Bitcoin withdrawals. So um so the, you know necessity is the mother of invention i would also say it's the mother of adoption right and uh now you see everybody starting to do lightning stuff and doesn't hurt that um what was that company uh they just raised like ungodly amounts of money uh like their their seed round of funding was like 120 million dollars or something like light spark that's it light spark you know, uh, they just raised huge amounts of capital, a lot of a lot of money being put in lighting. So I think we're seeing a lot happening there. But I think the I wouldn't say the issue right now is misconception. I think the, the, the issue right now is why lightning is not being adopted is the user experience uh, has always had a struggle. Right. And not just the user experience, but the all the language around. It, right. It's like, oh, uh, send me an invoice so I can pay your lightning invoice or Oh yeah, do you use LN URL? It gets hyper technical, and a lot of people are trying to simplify that. Lightspark is trying to simplify that, um, and that's exciting. There are a lot of consumer-facing apps that are very friendly, right? Cash App now supporting Lightning payments. Like that's a, that's a really big step. But in general, the the fact that still there are issues sometimes if you are running a non-custodial wallet where payments just won't go through. There's channel management. Like there's this technical layer that is still not completely abstracted from the end user in most of the applications. So I think we're getting there, um, but it is it is challenging. And the one thing I'd say I'm worried about within the Lightning ecosystem that would prevent adoption is uh, frankly, really compliance. So, you know, there are a lot of things people don't quite know what's happening behind the scenes, pretty, pretty new stuff. But um, if you want to say, for example, open a channel with Cash App's Lightning node, um, you have to go through uh, like a KYD, know your business analysis. There's contracts you have to sign, right? And um, 
you know, a lot of banks now are like, oh, do you touch the Lightning Network? We won't work with you. We're not going to bank your company if you touch the Lightning Network. So what I think may end up happening here, unfortunately, is that we may end up with a uh, almost a permissioned subset of the Lightning Network that um, you know is only like if you if you touch a bank, you know, if you if you work with one of these like highly regulated entities, you can only access that permission network, and it'll be entirely cut off. From the rest of the Lightning Network, because uh, one thing you, know, you got to keep in mind: the Lightning Network is no guarantee that you're connected to the rest of the network. You can be, you know, in in separate components. So I don't know. If I'm, I may be getting into too much technical detail. So let me know if I need to bring it up a little higher. No, you know? no we're great. We're great. I have a, a follow up once the recording is off that I'm, I'm definitely going to pick your brain on. But I'd love to continue going further. You mentioned the word scaling. Um, how do you encourage developers to find something like this? Um, how did I'll scale it back. Is there a moment that you felt um, that you were able to stare at concepts like this and there was no turning back? Like, what is the inspirational moment that you're hoping developers have to continue helping scale uh, a new world like this? That's a great question. I, I think one of the things that's hindered the growth of the Lightning ecosystem and the Bitcoin ecosystem in general has been funding. You know, if you go back four years when we were first getting started, then uh, you know all the venture capitalists were funding Ethereum projects. They're funding other things, right? It was on the way, in, right after the ICO boom and all that. So we're, if you're saying, "Oh, I'm building something on Bitcoin," they're like, "Well, what do you? What does that even mean?" Uh, you really couldn't build a whole lot on Bitcoin. Lightning really was barely there. We were one of the earliest companies to build on Lightning in 2019, but there were a lot of issues with it. The whole Inside joke in the community was,、uh, you know, we're being reckless with our money by integrating the Lightning Network and just like being so early on that.、Um, but now what you see is that a lot of venture capital funds and a lot of individual angel investors are just throwing money into the Bitcoin ecosystem. And a lot of folks that maybe used to, you know,、uh, invest in Solana or invest in these other ecosystems are like, oh, wait a second, all the activity is now happening on Bitcoin. And You can see that in NFT space, a lot of NFT projects are bridging into ordinals. Everybody wants to be on Bitcoin because if there's one sure thing in this world is that Bitcoin is here to stay, and you know, who knows about anything else? So I think you're seeing a huge convergence into the Bitcoin ecosystem, and now the capital is there. I think the technology is there.、Uh, for example, Taproot now being in Bitcoin, which allowed for ordinals, which allows for DeFi on Bitcoin, I think is really exciting. And you're going to see a lot of people coming into the Bitcoin space. It's this culmination of the technology, the capital, and the talent all at once. Do you、um, think、oh. that? That here. I'll hold my question. I, I'm I'm going to check off the box to to continue rounding out this Bitcoin conversation.、Um, your thoughts on ordinals and being able to、um, uh, engrave within the blockchain NFT, NFTs when it comes to Bitcoin?、Uh, where do you stand with that? Yeah, I I think it's cool. I'm I'm always a big fan of experimentation, right? And you know, a lot of people are like, people are attacking Bitcoin, and it's like, well, I mean, you know, if you I, I, the argument I really like, you know, at the Bitcoin conference, there was this argument that uh, uh, was said on stage, is that you know, Bitcoin is supposed to be hyper resilient technology that can defend against nation states. But you think that me and my buddy putting wizard 
NFTs on the blockchain is an attack on Bitcoin, then we've got bigger things to worry about, right? So I think this experimentation, I think people should be building every possible crazy, every permutation of thing you can build on Bitcoin because that's what innovation looks like. And obviously there's going to be a lot of things that go wrong. There'll be scams, there'll be rug pulls, there'll be all sorts of terrible things that happen. But I think in general, uh, like if you look at it like building software, what you often do is you, you create lots of tests and you have to think through all the terrible things that could happen to your software. And I think this is a great example. In a distributed system like Bitcoin, how do you generate these tests? That's actually a very complicated thing because in a, in a production environment like Bitcoin, that can cost an enormous amount of capital to run certain types of experiments and, and attacks, if you will. Uh, allowing the free market to run those tests for you seems like the, the best possible case in my mind. Amazing. Um, and I almost forgot my favorite item. Uh, do you dabble in Noster at all? What are your thoughts? I'm way behind the curve on Noster. I downloaded the app, I got set up, and I never looked at it again. So, uh, but I'm also not a big Twitter guy. You know, I have a Twitter, I've been checking it more frequently. But I'm not a big poster and, you know, I live, breathe and sleep Bitcoin. And it's just like, do I need like one more, you know, platform to have Bitcoin people talk about Bitcoin? And it's like, probably not. But I, I do need to go a little bit deeper on it at some point. Where, where do you feel you pull your information from? Um, because I feel a lot of people throw people straight to Twitter. Um, that's very interesting. Where would you suggest someone to go? So I, I do check Twitter. Right. But a lot of people, it's, it's mostly for my network. People are sending me things on Twitter or I'm reading the news and Coindesk, Bitcoin magazine. Right. I check the news here and there. But often, like I stay pretty busy. So people will just tell me what's happening. And I also go to like every Bitcoin conference in the space. So I'm getting the updates. People like I, you know, I feel like I'm in the situation where I don't need to seek out the information. That information will be forced upon me whether I like it or not, you know. So uh, the, the problem I have is sitting down and actually like exploring the tech like Noster and really like setting it up and playing around with it. I don't get, unfortunately, I don't get enough time to play with, with new fun things. So I'm trying to work on that a little bit in my life. Uh, I heard a quote the other day, uh, to become more creative, do less, which I'm not really encouraging do less, but there's definitely something to being able to be playful and creative. Kind of goes hand in hand, but um, I, yeah, I, these are, so, so, Somebody once said, uh, if you're working all the time, you don't have a time to make money, <laughs> you know? That's amazing. So, uh, that's a great takeaway for today. Um, I, I would love to, to dive into one last thing. Uh, Abby and I are very big on IRL or in-person events. Um, how have you felt about the previous Bitcoin conference, which I would um, also justify attendance with the fact that we were at uh, all-time highs? Um, the current one, and then the trajectory of headed to Nashville. Like, what are your thoughts? How did you feel attending the events? Yeah, so turnout was definitely lower this year than last year, right? And that's to be expected. I think most of the conferences I've been to this year, the turnout is far less because there's less hype. There's less people just like, oh my gosh, I have to understand what's going on with Bitcoin. A lot of people, this is their first cycle the first downturn they've ever been in and there's like screw this whole thing i don't want to have anything to do with it i don't want to be reminded of my huge losses in the market right so i'm not going to attend this conference but i think the 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 core industry players were there the people who are building 
but it was a lot less so, you know, your average guy who's like, he works a nine to five and just is like, hey, we're going to go to Miami, have a great time, learn about Bitcoin. There's a lot less of that this year. And I also think there was, you know, in large part because there wasn't a whole lot of big news, you know. What was exciting was having, you know, multiple presidential candidates who came out in support of Bitcoin there. That was like, really love that. Really fantastic. Um, you know, a little surprised that that didn't bring a bigger turnout. But um, but in general, I'm, I'm very bullish on the Bitcoin conference. I've always been a big fan. I've been going every year. We sponsor every year. Um, you know, going to Nashville next year. I'm, I'm excited for Nashville. I haven't spent much time there. I'm supposed to be going there in a few weeks on, on a little uh, you know, weekend vacation. So I'm going to check check it out, you know. Um, but uh, I think it'll be fun. I don't know if it's going to change the size of it. I think on a branding level, people have gone, have really come to know the Bitcoin conferences. They call it Bitcoin Miami, right? Everybody's, oh, you're going to Bitcoin Miami this year, right? And um, and it's a shame that it, it's, it won't be that anymore, right? You don't get the yacht parties in Tennessee. You don't get the beach vibe in Tennessee. Um, but they're probably saving a lot of money. And I'm, I'm very excited. You know, it's a great team over there. They know how to have a good time. They know how to th throw a really good event and bring people together. So. I'm, I'm always, I like to remain optimistic and see what's going to happen next, but I'm, I'm feeling positive. Um, it's great. There's a, there's plenty of IRL stuff going on um, between Bitcoin Miami and Bitcoin Plus Plus. I, I'm pretty excited to see how um, use cases can be showcased effectively and maybe a few less yacht parties leads to a uh, chance for playing around and see what creativity sparks. I just want yachts, though. Damn it, I want yachts. <laughs> Amazing. What do you got, Abby? Uh, my question to you is, um, have you been paying attention to the XRP and SEC uh, fight? And if you have, how does that affect you and your project? So, yeah, so I see it pop up here and there in the news. I don't follow it that closely. Um, you know, whether I, I have a feeling it's, it'll be labeled as a security. I have no idea, you know, what would end up happening to it, but, uh, it doesn't affect our project. We don't do anything with XRP or ripple. Um, so, you know, I think the, the one thing that, that will be interesting is, is Bitcoin is, is not a security ethereum may not be a security but i think everything else is and they may even consider nfts to be securities under certain circumstances so when that happens i think you'll see major changes in the industry and i think that's why you know for us when we think about, about our platform we're very much bitcoin focused because if when this sec uh you know the sec rulings do come out and those regulations do come out um, the licensing and the legal burden and maybe even the fines after after the fact if you were doing anything with securities um, I mean that that could be real tricky so uh, so I, I we're playing it safe and doing as much as possible in Bitcoin um, see we always talk about the worries of government and compliance and all of that stuff. And um, <clears throat> when people use your product, um, let's just say they're using it for a daily, 
um, because it, it automatically converts to fiat. Like if I if you pay me today in crypto and then I want to go pay my rent, it's easy to use the card, right? Um, mm-hmm. Now, is there a way like I'm doing? I'm doing trades on my buy bid, and from my trades on my buy bid, I send it to my card, and then I go start spending. Does tax implications fall into play with people using your card? Yeah, great question. So, uh, there may or may not be based on where you live, and I have to, I always have to say I am not a, a lawyer or a tax professional. Consult your your, your accountant, right? But um, but generally in the U.S. Anytime you buy something with crypto or you receive crypto for the sale of a good or really do anything with crypto, there is a tax implication, right? So, uh, you know, for us, for our company, we don't collect any KYC information. We are not an exchange. We have no reporting requirements. There's no 1099. We really don't know who you are and we don't have that information. There's no reporting on our side. You may have an obligation on your side to report that on your taxes, right? Uh, but that is outside the scope of our company and entirely on on you. And I think, not that I encourage this, but a lot of people in the industry, you know, you're making a trade on on Uniswap or something. You're you're probably not reporting that to the IRS, right? There's a lot of these things. A lot of people are not reporting the IRS. Some people do. Some people ask us, "Hey, can I have a?" transaction history of everything I've ever done. I'm going to factor that into my taxes. But um, yeah, that, that's up to the individual. Uh, another question is, um, how do you, because it's fiat, are you under F, F, the Federal Reserve for protecting the funds? If somebody happens to get my card in and just try to go uh, start crazy? Yeah, so so under our structure, there are no FDIC accounts that we offer. There's no FDIC protection. So if somebody steals your card and sends it, well, unfortunately, you're out that money. Uh, that's a part of what we have, you know. But uh, we say, listen, treat this like cash, right? It's like cash in your pocket. If somebody steals it, it's gone, right? Uh, but generally, you know, we're not holding, again, we're a non-custodial solution. So you can convert to a, one of our cards the moment before you're going to make a purchase, right? So you don't have to do that. You can keep balances on cards if you'd like. But um, but yeah, there's no no FDIC insurance on it. We have to be very careful to be very clear. I don't know if you realize Voyager got into trouble because they illegally claimed that they had FDIC insurance on all of their products when they, in fact, did not have FDIC insurance. And that is a huge, huge issue that's going through the courts right now with them. That's one of the things that that, uh, me and Yuri have been talking about, uh, making sure integrity is in place when we're talking to and dealing with a lot of companies. Um, A lot of times people just have their own uh, initial goals. uh, And we've been noticing that some communities want to build their liquidity. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to word it right, but um, uh, some some communities would like to create tokenization based off the community's liquidity. And um, mm-hmm. what, what ends up happening is there's a lot of losses that come into play. Um, we know we're all in a new stage and a new space and we're all venturing. There's always something new. Um, 
I always feel like traditional tech companies don't function unless there's a traditional business that is the base of it. Um, and yours is like a regular credit card transaction and you guys just use the transaction and so on and so forth. Um, what does your competition look like? Yeah, so you know there are other products in the market that you spend crypto, right? Uh, there are other cards that are available. We're the only one that has a no KYC card. We're the most private version. That's really our have been has been our focus, right? Other products, you know, you got to upload your ID, you got to do a selfie, a liveness test, things like that. Um, <clears throat> and uh, and that's fine. You know, that that's a good product for some people. But with us, say for example, you don't have documentation, right? Or maybe you just like to stay off the grid. Very popular in Bitcoin, living off the grid maintaining your privacy these are things that that i believe are fundamental human rights and uh and the goal of our company is kind of hold the line there and make sure that that we can continue doing that right the other options if you if you want to pay privately is to find the merchants that accept crypto directly but there are not too many of them unfortunately so i think we we try to strike a, a really healthy balance here um in terms of uh, functionality to privacy and really that that's become our niche on june 2nd uh 2023 uh what do you think that balance looks like for the average american how do you see them incorporating something like moon pay into their everyday lives yeah so um the average american i would say they do not care about privacy right <laughs> Uh, right now, this is a niche thing, but in the same sense that 10 years ago, VPNs were a niche product, right? I think now everybody and their mother's got a VPN, right? And I think there's a way of people who are concerned about privacy, concerned about censorship, concerned about all manner of terrible things that seem to be coming our way. And a product like this becomes increasingly interesting. Right. So for us, you know, targeting the Bitcoin community, no brainer, obviously. People immediately see the value proposition. But if you are outside of the crypto world, outside the fintech world, the letters KYC don't mean anything. Right. They're, what is that? You know, but I'm, uh, you know, I always give this example of a friend of the family. She's an older woman who, you know, every time her printer doesn't work, she's calling me up. Hey, can you help me set up my printer? Right. Not tech savvy individual. And she called me uh, a year or two ago and was like, should I get a privacy phone? Should <laughs> I get one of these privacy focused cell phone plans? You know, I have a VPN already. I have this. I had to watch. Should I get a burner number? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, and she's like, well, I'm really worried that I'm going to be censored or my communications are going to be monitored. And at some point in the future, it's going to be used against me. And like, she has nothing to worry about, probably. Right. But it's that thought process. It's that like, oh, wait a second. I'm asking questions now. What does this future look like? Right. Just look at everything happening with AI. Look at everything happening with surveillance. Right. These things are increasing at, at, at like, you know, uh, I don't want to say alarmingly, but they're increasing very quickly. Right. I, I don't want to be an alarmist. Right? But some people are very concerned about that. And um, the way I look at it is, hey, this is just no protecting freedoms, holding the line. Right. And offering the maximum amount of privacy and freedom allowed under law.
it's a great way of putting it. Um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out right now if my parents have VPNs, and I'm pretty sure they have no idea what that acronym is, but spot on. Um, I don't think we're going to burn our phones just yet. Uh, thank you. Um, Abby, you got anything else? Yes. Um... You started this company about four years ago. Um, there has been a lot of changes within uh, uphill, downhill battles within the space. Uh, with your past experiences, where do you see where you came from to where you're at and to where you're going? It's a, it's a great question. There have definitely been challenges. Um, you know, it started kind of like a one-man, two-man team. Now we're 10 people, right? Um, and, you know, growing. Uh, later this year, hopefully, we'll be double that, right? So growing in the team size, you know, the the big challenge we faced back in 2019, we launched a product that allowed you to shop on Amazon with Bitcoin. And that was a huge, huge deals front page of every crypto site in the world. And uh, we ran that for about six months. And then one day we're featured on the front page TechCrunch. Amazon accepts Bitcoin. And um, and that, I was like, we are killing it. We are everywhere. And uh, and then that day, it was the, the day it was in TechCrunch, I get a cease and desist from Amazon. You have to stop what you're doing. You got to shut it down. You cannot be doing this, right? And, um, you know, and, and it was, we had no partnership with Amazon, but I found a way to like manipulate the Amazon experience. And really it looked like Amazon was accepting Bitcoin. It was like really great, a really great experience. Um, so that set us back, right? That was our claim to fame. That was, you know, we were absolutely killing it. And then we had to stop and then had to rebuild it for you know, about a year and a half. We didn't have a product to market. You know, and then we got a partnership with Visa. We rebuilt the product. And by we, I mean myself. It was just me for a year and a half, like writing code and building and, you know, uh, working out deals with banks and Visa, things like that. Um, and then we got back in the market. We started growing and stuff again. And even now, you know, the bank situation in the U.S. is challenging, right? Like we're, we have to switch banks. You know, every bank that did crypto stuff no longer does crypto stuff. And it's all new banks. So everyone in the industry, I don't know if you saw the um, uh, uh, BitPay card got shut down. Uh, you know, they're, they're, everybody's cards are getting shut down. Everyone has to switch to a new bank. So it's painful times in the industry for sure. Uh, it's painful times specifically in the US, specifically if you're doing cards, right? But we'll make it to the other side, it'll be fine. Um, and now what that does for me personally is think about redundancy. Think, I really think a lot about diversification, which is a little bit strange for an early stage startup, right? Generally, you get one thing, it hits, you're making money, you're doing well, and you just scale, right? Other industries don't necessarily have to worry about their bank suddenly saying, we, we can't do this anymore, right? Or a country's just regulations just flipping and saying, no, no, we, you're not allowed to do this anymore. And then you're just, your whole company, you could spend 10 years building a multi-billion dollar business and then like that is gone, right? So now it's like, well, can we operate in other jurisdictions? Can we have other products? Can we have other banks, right? So it's a lot of, that. that's how I'm thinking about it. I think that's how a lot of people in the industry need to think. And it's unfortunate for the earlier companies. If you're just one guy, you're a guy and a dog, 
and you're just trying to make things work and you're like hacking away making a cool product and you're just like yeah let's just do something cool uh and if you ever have to touch the traditional fiat system good luck because now they may say well you need to have at least three million dollars in your corporate bank account for us to even have a conversation with you and it hurts innovation and that's the thing that's sad in in the states is that this is supposed to be the land of innovation where you can come and make your dreams happen and w- what i consistently hear throughout the industry is uh i wish we weren't in america i wish i wasn't a us citizen you know i wish like our company was overseas should we just move overseas you know and and that's just like so sad you know so hopefully hopefully we see things turn around there but it it is a sad state of affairs so how do you feel about uh the 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 dollar and the government going into digital payments how, how do you think that's going to affect you and your business yeah uh on one side it could be great because people say that's horrifying i want to stay away from cbdc's and all the monitoring and i want to do something private right um but in general my take is that it's horrifying you know i don't think the us is too close to cbdc territory specifically certain states outright banning cbdc's uh so i think there'd be a big fight but if you look at what other countries are doing with cbdc's like i'd be concerned you know um it it's kind of a a nightmarish scenario to to think the government would have that level of control do, do you think that uh we're losing the the race because they're not accepting uh, they're not adapting to this technology on a global in the global perspective well, yeah, I, i think in a sense yes so from you mean governments no i'm just talking about just like you said like most of these projects that we hear they the, the answer is not united states right and mm-hmm. like we already know that hackers come from russia and they are like the biggest hackers mm-hmm. um so in this race because we technically in a, in a technology race using bitcoin and crypto sure. with all these other companies Mm-hmm. With all the compliance that the United States have, do you think that we're losing or we're moving or people are just jumping shit from the United States to just to go abroad because it works? Yeah, I think if if the regulatory environment in the US was frankly less regulated or just the regulations were set but they were extraordinarily clear as to what the regulations were, we would be in a better situation. I'd say right now we're in one of the worst case situations where there are nonsensical regulations and or no regulations that are not clear and the uh government has really adopted a policy of regulate through prosecution so we're not going to tell you like you know Coinbase is going through this right now we're not going to tell you what the rules are but if you mess up you're going to get fined and it's like well wait what how can I I don't know if I'm messing up you got to tell me what does it mean to mess up right so that's what's very challenging right now and you know to anybody doing nfts it is not clear if you are selling an unregistered security or if you're selling a digital trading card and like the government just refuses to take a stance on these things and i think that it is idiotic it's intellectually lazy I think a lot of people are taking this like I'm going to sit back wait and see we can always just like I don't know just prosecute anybody we want for any reason whatsoever you know um and and it really has become this like do whatever you want but if you mess up we're coming for you if you do something we don't like we're coming for you so 
that's unfortunate. So I think the U.S. is is struggling. The U.S. still obviously has the capital, it has the talent, it has a lot of the innovation, as the traditional tech companies. But you see, you do see people flocking to other jurisdictions um, where where it you know it, it makes a little bit more sense. But I think you know again. Necessity is the mother of invention, and the thing that I like so much about the industry is this focus on freedom. And you know, the more there are regulations, the more there are a lot of these things. I think people are going to have technologies to somewhat circumvent. I, I don't know if I like the word circumvent, but make those regulations obsolete, right? Like in the U.S., for example, you're not allowed to issue your own currency. That would be illegal. But Bitcoin. Can be used as a currency, and that is deemed not illegal, right? Or you know, you need to be licensed to operate an exchange, but a DEX is, in theory, sufficiently decentralized, and there is no license required for a DEX, right? So, what other things can we get decentralized, and can we do it in such a way that that it? The the thing I always think about is the supply chain. How do you pierce through the supply chain? Right, like we're not really living on crypto. We're not living in the crypto world until you pierce the supply chain, where you can pay a merchant in Bitcoin, for example, and then that merchant can pay their supplier in Bitcoin, and and so on and so forth. Each subsequent company supplier. That is the hardest problem to solve, right? And as long as those companies work on banks, and those banks say we don't want to, like you're not allowed to touch crypto. Um, then we've got a we've got a major problem, you know. And I think, you know, there's this aspect where if CBDCs are here and you see very restrictive things start to happen in certain countries, I think that again that will necessitate the innovation and people adopting crypto because you know their livelihoods depend on it, right? If you look at Argentina, everybody and their grandma knows about crypto because of the inflation. Right, like it is, you know, like I'm going to learn this thing, or I'm going to lose all my money. <laughs> so,、um, you know, and that that may be the case in in certain countries with CBDCs or you know what other other draconian activities the governments are up to these days. It it sounds as though you've、uh, um, you've had many different thoughts. I think you're under a an agreement with this group that pressure makes diamonds. Um, and、uh, I'm curious、um, as to whether or not you've had thoughts of moving to a beach like some of these other companies have.、Um, the other, the other thing I'm kind of curious about is if someone were to begin exploring、um, the necessity, what book would you have them read? Hmm. So I'd love to move to a beach. That's just for a personal <laughs> preference. I like the beach. I'm, I'm considering. I mean, I'm, I'm like looking at spots in Miami or something, but I've, I've considered other countries as well. Lower cost of living, things like that. But there, there's pros and cons everywhere.、Um, I've not found the, the, you know, the magic bullet just yet on like where to operate a company that you know there there really is no magic bullet. And if you look at companies like FTX or you know any anybody like that, and their corporate structures are insanely complex, just like. You know, FTX have like 50 entities all around the world, some really wacky structure.、Um, but、uh, I, I do recommend living on a beach just for personal preference reasons. I think it's a good mental state to be in, living near the water. Do you surf?、Um, do you surf? I don't. I can't even swim. So,、uh, <laughs> but I like. 
I like the vibe. I like the vibe. You know, there's something about it. Uh, it's like, you know, we all evolved from creatures from the sea. I feel like it's like getting back to your roots a little bit, you know? So, uh, but, and then your second question around the book, you know, I, I have no real book recommendations around Bitcoin or crypto, but if somebody wants to start a business, I am a big fan of Zero to One by Peter Thiel. I think that's one, by far one of the best books ever for, for entrepreneurs because I think it, it transcends industry and uh, the concepts there are, uh, they, they really apply anywhere. No, that's really cool. Um, I haven't read that book, but we've been uh, having a bunch of different interviews and that has came up a few times in the conversation. Um, and, and we're actually building something because we see a void uh, when people come in our rooms. Uh, that we want to do a zero to one for newbies that's coming into crypto all the way up into our founders. Yeah. So now here's my question about founders. Um, someone who wants to start coming to this space, what kind of advice do you have for newbie founders that haven't even begun to start up their seed round of raising funds? Yeah. No. Uh, say uh, you know build something fun you know build something fun build something cool think through um what you think is going to have value make sure you're targeting a large market that can scale you know a lot of people a lot of people build interesting things with no and there are no users right nobody needs it right oh i built this like you can borrow um i don't know you can borrow ninja nfts against your whale nfts and it's just like all right that's okay but like what's who's your customer you know like is that gonna last like what what you know what's the actual use case so make sure there's actually people who want to use your product a lot of people specifically in bitcoin i feel like there are a lot of really smart people who do like amazing products on bitcoin that have five users because they are they're building for hyper bitcoinization they're building 50 years in the future so there's this balance where you have to build something for like the next five to ten years. That's that would be the key thing. Um, not not always, but that's what you know. If you're going to raise capital and things like that, you should probably be aiming for the five to ten year uh, time period. Um, yeah, but yeah, definitely make sure there's a market. Have fun, you know, and and build something you're passionate about. You're going to spend five to ten years doing it. So you know, don't. Um, don't build something that you think, oh, I'm going to make a quick buck on this in six months. It's, it's not going to take six months and you're not going to make a quick buck. Well, I, I, I don't I don't know what a quick buck is because anytime a buck came, <laughs> I know what spending a quick buck looks like. But... <laughs> <laughs> yep, 100%. Yep. Okay, so um, before we uh, end the recording, because um, Yuri, I just do have some questions. Um, I want you to tell the community about your project, about your product, how they could get to it, how they can get access to it. Mm -hmm. um, and then Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, you go to paywithmoon.com, sign up. All the information is there. Um, you know, you can follow us on Twitter, paywithmoon. Everything is paywithmoon. Um, and uh, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. You know, you can get yourself a Visa card, load it with Bitcoin. Or, or um, other cryptos, go shopping. It's pretty straightforward, you know. Difficult behind the scenes, but it's very hard to make a product that that comes across as so simple. 
You know what? There was a question that I, that I, I thought about. Um, your relationship with MasterCard then and your relationship with MasterCard now. Because now I see MasterCard is doing NFTs and other projects. Mm. Um, um, just tell me just a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, and clarify, we work with Visa, not MasterCard. But it's uh, similar similar across the board. So, uh, you know, started talking with Visa back in 2019. They were first starting up the Visa Crypto Group. And, uh, you know, kind of told them what we were building. They were very excited about it. And I think in general, the the crypto group at Visa, MasterCard, Discover, Amex, they all have one of these groups. They're trying to innovate. Um, they're excited about it. I think a lot of the individuals at the company are very excited about it. These are still large organizations. There is bureaucracy you have to navigate. But I think they are overall very excited. I think they know, they see the writing on the wall. This is the future. It's obvious. Even within, you know, like a lot of people used to say, oh, crypto is going to replace Visa and MasterCard. When I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think there's going to be emerging. Visa and MasterCard are going to use crypto internally because the thing that most people don't uh, uh, really think about is that Visa and MasterCard has the means of distribution. They're already integrated with every merchant and bank and institution in the world. So, you know, you don't wipe that clean and then start from scratch on distribution, right? What Visa will do is what, what they're doing now is they're doing a settlement with USDC. So, you know, you're making a payment, you swipe your card. Normally, settlement would happen via wires between banks at midnight. You can only settle once per day between these financial institutions. And if you use USDC, it's going to be cheaper and faster. And now you can do settlement as often as you'd like. And that is just like the, the a huge, huge benefit to these uh, payments networks to start using crypto inside of a otherwise you know, centralized situation here. So, uh, so I think you're going to see that more and more, and then you're going to see them probably, uh, uh, you know, adopt adopt this stuff more and more. I could see them eventually adopting Lightning Network. Um, I mean, just it just makes a lot of sense. They're going to see a lot of cost savings and efficiency inside. On that note, thank you, Ken. Uh, this is Beyond the Blockchain with Abby and Yuri, uh, and uh, tune in. And I'm going to end our video. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Get the chance to learn a lot about people and where they come from and some of the problem solving that they they have. You know, I really thought it was very interesting, um, the background of Ken, especially working in the military and engineering. Because engineering is a form of just finding ways to solve problems. And... Solving problems using technology is one of the best things. And that's one of the most exciting things I enjoy about being in this space, uh, especially about beyond the blockchain, because we're talking not only blockchain, but beyond like who would have ever known. Right. So, you know, we meet a lot of interesting people. If there's any guests or anybody you think that we should interview, just let us know. Um, you can hit us up. Or hit me up. Uh, you can find me. <laughs> it says Beyond the Blockchain with your boy Abby, Ab Abby, 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 <laughs> Harris, and Yuri C. Make sure y'all tune in. Peace.